0: Welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Stephen Warnock to my Neil Warnock. It's Justin Peach. It is what I would usually be saying if Justin was actually here. He's running slightly late on the podcast today, so he'll be joining us for the bit where we go around the grounds. Uh, for now, though, we're on the show this week. We've got John Spark from the Bournemouth YouTube channel, Cherry's Red Army. John, how are you? Yeah,
1: I'm doing all right. Thank you. Thanks for having me on again, Ryan. How are you doing?
0: I'm wonderful, thank you. Also here is Johnny Bullock from the Borough Breakdown Podcast. Johnny, are we well? I am, thank you, mate. I'm very well, thanks. Good stuff. Welcome to the number one championship-specific podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. We're going to run through all the games in the championship from the past weekend, talk about some of the news from the past few days, and then we'll finish off with Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight right at the very end. So in the early game on Saturday, it finished Sheffield United nil, Bournemouth nil. Sheffield United undoubtedly the better side. I think we can all agree on that. And I'm guessing with that being said, you are fairly happy with the point here, John.
1: Delighted. Yeah, I mean, um, it's interesting to hear Scott Parker put his spin on things to say he thought Bournemouth were the better side, which I have no idea what game he was watching because, my God, were we definitely not. (laughs) Um, I mean, for starters, the Stonewall penalty that wasn't given is uh, quite remarkable. Uh, And it, it was exactly what I was expecting to happen with about five minutes to go. I thought we'd sort of dragged our way through this one, not looked all that great um, and been saved by a keeper twice, so I thought it was it was about right that at some point someone was going to make a mistake and we were going to get paid for it. But thankfully, it was the referee that made the mistake, so we weren't we weren't punished for it. It was a well, not the greatest game to watch, certainly from a Bournemouth perspective. Um, I think we struggled to get going offensively for the vast majority of the game. We had two shots on target, with both pop shots from outside the box from Ryan Christie not much better than West Brom although to be fair West Brom we produced a lot of shots but just couldn't put anything on target uh, and this match we didn't really produce all that much right um and after producing probably our two best performances of the season against Huddersfield and despite the score still against Bristol City I thought that 3-2 win was one of our best performances of the season West Brom and Sheffield United two games I expected us to do far better on and you know that Gap between us and third place is suddenly not looking all that comfortable anymore.
0: Mm, yeah, we'll talk about that in a sec. Mark Travers was the saviour for the Cherries. Once he making two massive saves, and he has been fantastic this season. Auntie John,
1: yeah, he's been incredible. Um, Dominic Solanke scored twenty-four goals and got six assists, but he's still not a Player of the Season. Uh, that's Mark Travers, and um, nicknamed El Pulpo or the squid by our Colombian Jefferson Lerma, because of just his ability to just get himself on anything. Uh, One of the stats that came up in the Sky Sports broadcast was that he's got the best save percentage of any keeper from shots inside the penalty area this season, Um, which was not something I thought uh, was a stat I even knew they took count of, which of course they did. There's stats for everything. But, um, you know, it's him and Lee Nichols that are up there as the best goalkeepers of the season, I think, without doubt, although other teams will have said their goalkeepers have done well. Travers has been our saviour for far too many games this season for a team that's right up there but you need that if you're going to get promoted and your defence isn't as tidy as you'd like it to be without him there's no way we'd be in this position
0: yeah I just wanted to quickly ask you actually about Nat Phillips because he was the big marquee signing for Bournemouth in January wasn't he and everyone was like how the hell have Bournemouth managed to sign a defender who was playing regularly for Liverpool last season I've seen a few Bournemouth fans questioning his performances recently. How, how's he actually done?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one. Considering he's come from Liverpool, I don't think he's necessarily like the passing player that you might expect a centre back to be. Not that his passing numbers aren't ter- uh, terrible because they're roughly comparable with Lloyd Kelly over a shorter period of time. And although I don't think he's been bad, he's just been kind of all right uh, and but he has made a few mm. mistakes in the last two games not that other defenders do but when you've got a player like Gary Cahill sat on the bench or not even in the squad in this instance who admittedly after his injury wasn't great for a good three weeks or so before being dropped he should now be fit and firing and in this position we we're in where you know we need that kind of leadership that I don't think anyone in the Bournemouth fan base thinks Kelly provides to just shore things up, calm the players down, give the advice when you need it on the pitch. And Phillips, just with his
0: you know age, isn't that player. And um, Gary Cahill can be. Well, John, we've been talking a lot recently about the race for automatic promotion. And we've been hoping Bournemouth drop points, not because we've got anything against Bournemouth. We just want something interesting to talk about. Um, but over the past couple of weeks, it's become quite apparent that we might actually have a race for automatic promotion. After all, would you say... Bournemouth fans are a bit worried that he could get caught by Forest at this point.
1: Um, no, this is just your anti-Bournemouth agenda. Um, no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, yes, I'd say I'd say Bournemouth fans are starting to get worried, and perhaps a couple of weeks ago they wouldn't have been at all. Obviously, you know, Nottingham Forest were further back than that, but that's the point. Nottingham Forest have won five games in a row. They've won seven of the last ten without losing. You know, they're on the kind of run of form that we're not, that startling makes you think, hang on, you know, there's only seven games left and they're only six points behind and we've got a very difficult set of games. They've got some tricky fixtures as well, but if we can't start, if we, if we can't keep picking up points, you never know what could happen. Um, it's it's um, it's rare for a team to go to be this good for this long. Normally any team comes under a blip. Fulham and us have both had big blips this season in uh, in season, in, periods but yeah there's there is a worry now when, when it was Huddersfield and we had two games at hand on them it was like ah, will be fine there's no problem Luton oh we got a game in hand it'll be fine but Forest they we played the same number of games and we play them second last game of the season that could be probably the biggest game of the last few weeks of, of the championship season particularly when the winner of that may end up be the one who come second place the way things are going
0: mm. Well, there was a shock at the Riverside Stadium as Middlesbrough lost one nil to Hull. Johnny, what on earth happened here? Um, to be honest, it was just
2: like, do you know, like one of those games on FIFA where you have like loads of shots on target in the early stages, and then you, as the game goes on, you start to see like the other team coming to it. Johnny, and I know score. about that
0: way too well. Carry on.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, it kind of—it's exactly that. How was how it was really? I think the first twenty minutes. Borough dominant on the ball, dominant probably on the ball throughout as well. Um, but as the game started to go on, Hull started to get more confidence. You could see like, the low block turn into a mid block, and then they started to get more aggressive on the flanks, get in behind, create one or two chances. And then obviously they went and scored in like the 75th minute, and we just didn't have the answer, to be honest. And I think overall
0: it was just a, a poor afternoon, I think, if you, if you want to put it that way. Yeah. What is Jerry Lumley? doing for the goal it's gone in and he's essentially dived after the ball has gone in it was like he was buffering with a dodgy internet connection and it just hadn't computed yet what had actually happened it was very strange
2: yeah the thing is with Joe Lumley he's it, just like an accident waiting to happen really um he's, ha- he's had quite a few mistakes this season and I think unlike Bournemouth uh we've got a really really good goalkeeper um we just have two keepers that are bang average and mid-table championship. Both have negative XG um, when the first shot. So it's, it's worrying. But where we were at the start of the season to now, we probably weren't going to be in the playoffs under Neil Warnock. But now under, under Chris Wilder, you could really see that progression. And we went through there. But in terms of Lumley, uh, there's no real alternative, to be honest. There's, there's, honestly, there's no real... Better alternative
0: than what we've got. It is strange, isn't it? And I mean this with absolutely no disrespect to the keepers that you've got, but it seems like Middlesbrough have got such a good squad, but the goalkeeper is the goalkeeper position is right down there with. Some of the worst in the division. It's very strange how it's come out that way, isn't it? But moving on, Johnny, what do you make of Middlesbrough's playoff chances at this point? There are some teams who I think are likely to get in the top six. There are some teams I think are unlikely to get in the top six. Middlesbrough for me are somewhere in the middle. And if you had to give me a percentage chance, what would you say it is? I
2: think percentage wise, I think there's still a good chance. I think you're talking about 60-40, the yes. That um, we'll probably get in. So, a bit better than what you, you think. But um, we go to Bournemouth on Friday against Scott, uh, against Scott Parker's side. That, to be honest, I think Parker's just, I don't know how on earth he hasn't got this team promoted near enough already or fighting the squad that they've got. No, no offense like John, who's on, who's on the call with us, but. Th- <laughs> The the squad is so good and Parker is so bad. I just don't know how like they haven't been able to do it. So we might be able to get something from there, but I think Easter will dictate that. Uh, that period. Uh, Bournemouth will win, Huddersfield at home to win those games. It's definitely on, isn't it? So sixty forty, yes.
0: If Middlesbrough don't get into the playoffs this season, would you mm. see that as an underachievement? considering it's been looking like it could be on for a while? Or have you got to take into account how it was under Warnock earlier in the season when playoffs didn't really look like it was a possibility?
2: Yeah, yeah mate. With, with Borough, if they don't go up this season, honestly, it could be a blessing in disguise. It, it gives me the Karanka feels from the year before we got to the playoff final, lost, then came back better. It, it's it's very similar to this now. I think the summer under Chris Wilder, bringing in more depth across the whole squad
0: in you're you're looking like a very, very good team next season. Yeah, definitely. Johnny and John, thank you for now. That's really confusing to say. Johnny and John, thank you for now. We'll come back to you both later to play Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. In the meantime, Justin and I are going to venture around the grounds and we'll begin with the relegation battle, which looks to have just about solved itself. And the team staying up looks to be Reading. They lost 2-1 at home to Cardiff. Paul Mann is from the Reading podcast,
3: Elm Park Royals. Paul, a disappointing result in the end? Yeah, really disappointing. Yet again, we've taken the lead against the team and just buckled, sat back, kind of waited for the opposition to score a goal and they dutifully did it, didn't they? You've got to say a well-taken goal by Völks right the end, but woeful defending and thankfully the teams around us all lost as well. So it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Yeah, and it looks as if Reading are staying up at this point. Would you agree with that, Paul? Yeah, I think we're going to stay up. We'd need a ma- major disaster from uh, ourselves and the teams around us to suddenly find form that they haven't had all season. I- I'd be astonished if we don't stay up. I mean, it's even possible now that we could lose every single game and still stay it, which seems completely crazy, but could be the case. Yeah, Paul, it's all
0: well and good staying up in the championship but you want to avoid it happening again next season so assuming Reading are in the championship again next season how are you actually feeling about that
3: I'm even more nervous about next season Ryan than this one because we are going to lose some huge players potentially including John Swift Yadam um well if I go through the list it's terrifying to be quite honest I think it's 14 players are out of contract um financially we're going to have major issues going forward because of the ffp um, restrictions that we have with embargoes the six point deduction possibility if we break those yeah uh, i'm very concerned i think this season is kind of going to be easier than the next one and that's a huge concern if we manage to stay up though next season who knows maybe we could start to move forward but yeah uh, i'm very very concerned about next year Thank you, Paul. And hello, Justin Peach. You decided to finally show
0: up?
4: Yeah, I thought I may as well come. It's a Sunday. There's usually a podcast that we do. So, yeah, why not rock up now? But I can only apologise to you and our listeners, Ryan.
0: Your apology has been acknowledged, but not necessarily accepted. (laughs) And it's interesting what Paul was just saying there, wasn't it, Justin? Reading do look as if they'll be safe for now. Um, Mm -hmm. But I struggle to see them being in anything other than a relegation battle next season. What do you think?
4: Yeah it's it's a long it's a long it's going to be a long season for them next uh, next season. Um, if you consider this business plan and the cost cutting measures that are going to be have to be put in place by um by Reading, then yeah they're going to lose a lot of good players. Um they probably have to move a couple on as well. I can't imagine Lucas Shaw staying beyond this season. Obviously John Swift's out of contract. Yaku Meite will be will be in um will be in the the thoughts of quite a few other managers in the league potentially so yeah they're going to struggle to keep hold of some good players and obviously couple that with potentially having uh, Paul Lince permanently as well it, it's not it's not, it's not, not going to be great next season for Reading they do have a good track record of bringing youngsters through but is it too much too soon for a lot of them potentially and as well as that they need to dot them around with experience which again they could lose the likes of Scott Down and Michael Morrison next season
0: yeah well as you mentioned Paul Lince is apparently, according to the Daily Mirror, going to be the manager again next season, which raised a few eyebrows for me. I think he's done OK, but I don't think Reading could have done much worse than they were doing under Velko Panovic. So I think it's a low bar mm-hmm. anyway. And I can't <laughs> say he's particularly pulled up many trees and have still got plenty of question marks over him as a manager. So that's the immediate cause for concern. Defensively, they've obviously been a shambles this season. They've only kept two clean sheets since October. So that's an issue. And then going forwards, they're going to be significantly weakened. Obviously, John Swift is more yeah. than likely not going to be there next season, and the Eardom's going as well. And other players who are there have seen their performances dip compared to the season before. Lucas Xiao obviously missed a lot of it through injury. Since he's come back, he's been okay, but not the player mm. that we saw last season. Over has been extra anonymous since he scored that double against Fulham he hasn't what's he done (laughs) since so there's a lot of concern for me about Reading and I'd say 100% I think they'll be in a relegation battle next season unless there's a huge amount of change over the summer But I don't think there will be because I don't think there's much room for manoeuvre. And, of course, there's also Mm -hmm. the possibility of a points deduction as well. So it's not looking too good, even though they are obviously staying up this season now from the looks of it. Uh, Cardiff, a good way to bounce back from defeat in the South Wales derby last weekend, wasn't it? They're 17th now, so firmly away from the relegation battle at this point, haven't they? Um, Well, the side who could catch Reading, although that's admittedly looking unlikely at this point, is Barnsley. They lost 4-1 away at Millwall. I knew Barnsley were poor away from home, Justin, but I didn't quite realise just how poor they were. They've lost every away game but two since September. Mm -hmm. And when you've got a record like that, you're always going to be in trouble of going down, aren't you?
4: Yeah, they didn't look remotely difficult to beat in this game against Millwall. Millwall opened them up countless times and it seems to be a recurring theme away from home. But as you say... If your away for if your awayform's form's that bad and your home form's not great either, it's okay, but it's not great. Then yeah, it's just a recipe for relegation. And yeah, Barnsley, if it wasn't for point deductions for other teams, they'd be they'd be adrift by a long way. Um, so they're very fortunate that they still have a fighting chance because of those point deductions for other teams. But as you say, everyone was critical of this Barnsley performance. So it was bargey the supporters. so imagine the players have had a few words to themselves because this really was a display that. It wasn't a team fighting relegation. This was a team that was just not asked, just just down and out. They didn't didn't show
0: up at all. Yeah, well, speaking of down and out, I'd give Barnsley about a five percent chance of staying up at this point. How about you? Uh mm-hmm. yeah, maybe maybe a sort of
4: ten. I go I go as high as ten, maybe. But you're relying on Reading being catastrophically dreadful. Um, which is it quite a big drop-off um,
0: and, and Barnsley being a lot better than they are as well. Well, well, that's it, isn't it? Barnsley can't win away from home and they've got three home games left to make up an eight-point gap. So you're basically hoping Barnsley win all three home games and Reading don't pick up another point mm-hmm. for the rest of the season, which just isn't going to happen, is it? So unless yeah. they do something which they haven't done since October or September even <laughs> and actually pick up points re- more than once away from home mm. then it seems like this relegation battle is done and dusted unfortunately for us and um, Millwall's slim hopes of getting in the playoffs are still alive with this win they looked good to didn't they they were really good
4: um and uh, I've been trying to find <laughs> trying to find out when Millwall last scored four goals and I, I generally I, I couldn't find it and this isn't me being critical or, or smart I, I couldn't find the last time they scored four goals in a championship so if anyone can can let us know. I'd be really, really interested to see when that last happened. Um, but the quality of performance here was, was brilliant. Um, they, the, the finishing was strong. They created so many chances, as I was saying, that Barnsley couldn't get near them. Um, I know Barnsley had a couple of chances early on in the game, but Millwall were really good here. And um, yeah, all, the, all Millwall can do is keep putting points on the board and hope that other teams drop points. So if they can stay in the fight for as long as possible, then yeah, there's a chance. But for now, it's, it's very slim, but as you say just just keep playing like that and you'll keep getting results and yeah your chances are still slim
0: Dan McNamara scored twice his first ever goals for Millwall and he's had a good season and he, he's come on leaps and bounds I think since last season
4: yeah yeah absolutely he's, he's a player that's, that's impressed me and again this Millwall team relies heavily on its wing backs and Danny McNamara has had to he's had to produce essentially and okay there are games where he's not going to but he's, he's still young he's still learning um but this yeah he's he's, he's a he's a top notch fullback or top notch wing back I should say and one that's got a bright future in the championship
0: I put out a tweet earlier this week about who each team's player of the season has been I put Jake Cooper for Millwall but a couple of Millwall fans suggested Matt Namara and I wouldn't disagree with him because I think as Mm. I say he has come on leaps and bounds since last season Um, really solid defender works his socks off as well as everything you want in a wing back and hopefully this is um, the start of I say the start, he's 23 now but the start of um, a glorious career at Millwall (laughs) and beyond uh, two goals from Joel Pirro saw Swansea beat Derby 2-1. A lot of controversial refereeing in this one. Should there have been a penalty for Derby in the second half? Rooney was absolutely fuming after the game about that one, Justin. And then he was also fuming because the referee blew the full-time whistle when Derby had a dangerous free kick from 20, 20 yards out. What do you think?
4: Yeah, I think the I think the penalty in the second half towards the end of the game on, on Chibulski was was a penalty. Uh, it's probably one of the most penalty penalties you'll see um, even ones that are given. This this was a penalty. He was wrestled down. This was this was like WrestleMania last weekend. This was this was, yeah. This was top-notch WWE. I thought it was more of a stone than the penalty derby actually got as well. So yeah, disappointing. But can't rely on officials.
0: Yeah, the Swansea defender who brought him down could not have done much more to make it more <laughs> obvious for a penalty, could he? So, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's remarkable how the referee just didn't give anything there. In fairness, though, Swansea also should have had a penalty when Curtis Davis handballed it and maybe even mm-hmm. a sending off as well. So I suppose it evens itself out like that. But Derby's away form has absolutely killed their hopes of staying up, has it? They've become only the second football league side this season to lose eight straight away games. And so with them almost destined to be in league 1 now next season i suppose we could start to turn an eye onto that and how they'll do obviously it's needless to say there's a lot that needs sorting out isn't there
4: yeah it's an interesting question because i'm just shrugging my shoulders how will derby do next season will there be a derby next season there are these are big questions to ask um it all depends on whether a takeover happens before the end of May because that's that's the deadline. If if Derby can get a takeover done, then you can start to turn your attention and then they can start to firstly offer contracts to their own players and then secondly start to dive into the transfer market and see if they can pick up any free agents. But for me at the moment, it's everything's up in the air. It's really hard to put your finger on it.
0: Yeah, it really, really is. Of course, the future needs sorting out first. Just because the preferred bidder's been named doesn't necessarily Mm -hmm. mean Derby are still going to exist in a couple of months' time. Um, But having said that, next season's going to be very interesting. Obviously, there's the chance of another points deduction, which seems a bit like kicking a man while he's down giving 36 points deducted (laughs) over the course of two seasons is strange but nonetheless they've only got three players actually contracted for next season that's not just senior players we're talking about youth players as well which is concerning um but when they hopefully have got this administration and takeover sorted that means they'll hopefully be able to get some players tied down for next season as Mm -hmm. well um They've got the basis of a decent side, haven't they? Bielik and Max Bird are two of the players who are definitely going to be there next season. They're two very good players in League One, aren't they? Um, But of course, they'll have to fill in other areas as well. And they will most likely be relying on free agents and loans for next season, whatever the case. So I think any Derby fans are expecting an instant bounce back. I wouldn't be too sure whether there's a points deduction Mm. or not, but... They'll still be strong next season, won't they? Because they've got two players who I just mentioned there who are very, very good at League One level. Three straight wins now for Swansea. I don't know about you, Justin, but I would say, and I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before or not, but I think Swansea could be quite a good team next season. I've seen a lot from them recently. That indicates Wilson Martin's got things going in the right direction.
4: Yeah, definitely. The last three games have been brilliant. Um, Obviously... They they need to add in the summer. They I think they're still probably four or five players short from being a really really good team. But there's no reason why they can't be a good team. I think getting Hans Wolf, getting Hans Wolf into the club again next season, whether that be a loan or a permanent signing, I think would should be a priority because he's really showed his quality in the last few games. And obviously, when you've got a, a good poacher like Joel Pirro in the box, um, <laughs> with his one one touch
0: finishing, then yeah, he's yeah, they're going to be a good side. Well, only four teams have picked up more points in 2022 than Swansea, which surprised me, but says a lot about how it's taken a while for Russell Martin to get things going at Swansea, but eventually he has. And you look at the side they had out on Saturday. I don't think... Much needs actually adding there. Of course, a lot of it will depend on which loan players stay, but you've got the foundations there of a very good championship side. I think Fisher looks great in goal. Obviously, Matt Grimes is a very good player at this level. Joel Pirro needs to have another good season next season. But Hmm. you add in a couple of players here and there, and the loan players get back in or they're replaced as well. Swansea can be very good next season I can see them definitely having a strong playoff challenge next season if they manage to do that Russell Martin is starting to show now why he is so highly rated and they look good Swansea I I really like the project that's started there let's move on to the automatic promotion race Justin Forrest continue to put the pressure on Bournemouth after beating Birmingham 2-0 a rather straightforward win in the end for Steve Cooper's boys yeah, it
4: really was. Um, obviously, getting the early goal is, is always going to be a, a plus for this Forest team because they are hard. They are a hard difficult team to break down. And obviously, with Birmingham City as well, not the best going forwards, not the best going defensively either. Um, but yeah, this, this Forest team it showed the quality once again. They they showed they, they can do a professional job. Um, it's they're just ticking a lot of boxes, a hell of a lot of boxes. Um, And it's really hard to find faults with them at the moment because one, they're in top form, they're in top gear and they are pushing for for promotion. And when teams like that, you go back to that Villa team um, 2018-19 where momentum was with them and you couldn't see any faults in that team. They were just packed full of quality. And it's the same with this Forest team. I can't see any weaknesses at the moment. And with this with this run of form, they're on five straight wins. It's incredible.
0: And they've continuously got better, haven't they, as the season's gone on. And if that continues to happen, that's very scary. (laughs) I mean, we've only got, what, five or six, seven games left. But... Hmm. You see what I mean. Five straight wins and they don't look like stopping anytime soon. This train is not going to stop. I'm, I can assure you of that. Keenan Davis celebrated his goal in front of the Birmingham fans, obviously on loan from Villa. Seemed like he enjoyed that while having things thrown at him from the stands. They remain six points off the top two of seven games remaining. They've got Luton away on Good Friday, which will be tricky. Three points there, though, and that'll be very convincing, won't it, that this forest side certainly mean business. Yeah. I mean they already do. Just four wins since November for Birmingham. They've been wanting the season to just end for a while now, haven't they? And there there are a side I'm a bit concerned about, Justin. What do you think?
4: Yeah. I mean we we're just it's a copy and paste job in Birmingham City where they have a fairly good sort of August, September, moderate October and then form falls off a cliff and that's happened for the last god knows how long um and countless managers and players have been and gone since then so you, you start to point the finger upstairs which we all know is the issue with Birmingham City it is the 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 hierarchy at Birmingham City um and they're at a crossroads again um in the summer they need a complete overhaul of their squad and as you say, four wins since November. Pretty miserable. Being a Birmingham City fan at the moment probably has been for the last few years. You've you've got to put your um, take your heart off to them because they still they still follow him in numbers. Um, but as you say, it's, it's not it's not looking good. I, I do think Lee Bowyer should stick around, um, but he needs to bring in his own players and he needs backing in some way.
0: Blues goalkeeper Neil Etheridge was taken to hospital after a horrible collision in this game. He was knocked unconscious. Libbya said he was stable. He's since been released from hospital, which is good news. Right after the break, we'll talk about a win for Preston and a draw between Blackburn and Blackpool. Welcome back to the second tier podcast. So five straight losses now for QPR. The latest coming away at Preston, where they were beaten 2-1. QPR were just an absolute shambles at the back here. On on another day, Justin, I'm I'm not joking when I say Preston could have scored four or five. It's incredible, but at the same time quite sad when you compare them to the side we saw in January, who genuinely looked like they could challenge for automatic promotion. But if this carries on, this run of form they weren't even finishing in the top half of the table. Where did they finish last season? Was
4: it... It was sort of top half, wasn't it? You'd, they got top half, to yeah, because but, they were amazing yeah.
0: in the second half of the season. Yeah. And now they're doing like the but, complete opposite.
4: Exactly, exactly. And that's the frustrating thing because... And that's that probably makes you think can, can Warburton get the absolute most out of this squad for a full season? They're the questions you've got to ask. But yeah, they were really poor here. I think it's Cameron Archer's goal. He walks through the defence... He literally walks through the defence um, shimmers a couple of times onto his left foot and then obviously hits the ball in the back of the net. You're absolutely right. The defending was absolutely dreadful. The defending all game was, was really poor. And going forwards again, I'm asking so many questions of them. I'm asking if the three at the back is the right way to go about things. I know they were a bit more robust with a 4-4-2, um, but they still didn't look too to offer too much going forwards. Um Yeah, again, another team that just wants the season to end.
0: Badly. They've used their fifth different keeper this season now. Young Murphy (laughs) Mahoney had to step in at the last minute (laughs) after Kieran Westwood was injured in the warm-up. Rob Dickey's also set to miss the rest of the season now with injury. Injuries haven't helped, but they can't be blamed for KPR just completely falling to pieces in the last few months. And still plenty of questions over Mark Warburton's future. Back-to-back wins for Preston, No. Cameron Archer scored a really nice goal. Obviously, wasn't helped by KPR's shoddy defending. But he's such an exciting player, isn't he, Justin? I'm very curious to see where he will be next season. I'm hoping he'll be back at Preston, but it won't surprise me if he's interesting championship clubs higher up in the pecking order. But he, he is a really exciting talent, isn't he?
4: Oh, yeah, without doubt. I was excited by him when he first came in. Um, and again, this goal just highlights his quality, his goal against Blackpool. Uh, in midweek highlighted his quality he's a two-footed player which is such a strong attribute to have as a forward because if you move on to your left foot and take a shot you've got a good chance of going in you move on to your right foot and take a shot it's a good chance of going in so yeah be, being that um, being that flexible is, is brilliant but his ability to hold off players his ability to play the, um, with his back to goal running the channels he's got everything you need in a forward and he's clinical um, and he's just, a, he's just a kid he's 20 years old it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's yeah. Quite quite um quite a learned spot he's having again. Hope we see him again next season.
0: Yeah, I completely forget that he's twenty. He's yeah. been so good this <laughs> season, but it's easy to forget he is just a kid and he's got so much of a future ahead of him as well, so much potential in this guy. Um And the thing I love about him is his dribbling, which you don't really see too often with strikers at this level, the ability to take on a player as well as having the finishing ability to match as Mm. well. He's fearless when he's one-on-one with a defender. And he's just a magical talent, so exciting. And he was going to be someone in demand this summer, I can assure people of that, Um, which won't be good news for Preston, but uh, it'll be exciting to see where he is next season. Blackburn's playoff hopes are hanging on for now. They'd be a lot stronger if they had not drawn one all at home to Blackpool. Blackburn fans will feel this is a game that they should be winning, yet based on the performance, they didn't deserve to win, did they?
4: No, they didn't, they, they obviously going 1-0 up, they didn't really build on it um, and didn't have the intensity or the urgency to, to, to push for that winner um, and obviously as you say it's more points dropped which again at home is 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 really, really poor. Um, I, I, I struggled to see where Blackburn go from here because if they can pick up a couple of wins uh, and get into that top six they are probably now one of the weaker teams Um and it feels like a missed opportunity f- for them. And uh, you know, you're just questioning where they where they go from here because there's you know, some key players that are going to be leaving in the summer. Um, Yeah, it's, it's again, another really poor performance. Quite flat, to be honest with you.
0: Mm. It's remarkable that Blackburn are where they are in the table when they've won just four league games this calendar year. I'm, I'm mm. not sure how they've managed to hang around there for so long. And all it takes is a win. And suddenly they'd start to look... Like The table look a lot better for them, wouldn't it? Obviously, whether they'd actually win the playoffs is another question, um, a question that might not even need to be asked. But there isn't anything in the performance to suggest a return to form. is there? And the playoffs continue to look so near, but in reality, so far for them. Yeah. They've got Brereton-Diaz back now as well, but performance levels have just dropped as a whole. There doesn't seem to be... there. There mm-hmm. seems to be a lack of urgency and... It's a real shame that the playoff chances look as if they're going to fizzle out after such a good season. Um, And whether that's Mowbray's fault or not, I'm not too sure, personally. I know many Blackburn fans are not happy at all with the job that he's doing. But so many question marks there and it's a real shame that the season is ending this way. Um, Mm -hmm. A lovely goal from Sam Gallagher, though. After a lovely ball by Thomas Kaminski, that was route one at its finest. Tony, Tony Pulis would be very proud of that one. Um, let's move on. Bristol City one, Peterborough one. Another game where I've watched Peterborough. And thought, yeah, fair play. You were all right there.
4: Yeah, again, you just sort of you, you sort of left thinking. I know Grant McCann was at home, but if a decision was made to uh, remove Darren Ferguson rather than give him a new contract, it must have been October time that. Um, then Peterborough might might well be. Staying in the division, or at least having a fighting chance of doing it. Um, so yeah, again, it's, it's a really poor decision to give Darren Ferguson the new deal when they did. But yeah, this was another game where they where they played really, really well. Um, obviously, going a goal behind as well to Bristol City uh, and fighting back shows that there there is character and there is fighting, there is quality in this team. So hats off to Peterborough and um, yeah, they're in, they're in a much better position position than the likes of Derby and Barnsley are going down.
0: Well, Peterborough have won more points away from home under Grant McCann than they did under Darren Ferguson. Ferguson had 17 away games, and McCann's had four. So, you say you mentioned the point <laughs> about the contract there. Uh, we, at the time, I was saying it was a weird decision. In the hindsight, mm-hmm. it looked like a terrible decision. And when you add in the fact that Grant McCann's had this turnaround, I say turnaround. It's it's an improvement, isn't it, on what it was. Yeah. then maybe they would have had a better chance of staying up. But there you go. There were deafening boos after the game from Bristol City fans, just in many not happy at all with the job Nigel Pearson is doing. They're another side who are just waiting for the season to end. What do you think of the job that Pearson is doing there?
4: It's it's really hard to put your finger on it because they they were on a one-way course for League One last season. Um, that run of form under Dean Holden was, was, was quite striking and the the fact that they couldn't create chances full of no money um, was really damaging and as I say that that could have put them in League One quite easily if if they'd have maintained that Pearson came on steadied the ship and at times they've looked like pushing on and being a half decent side but at the same time I think more or less they've been let down by individuals because it's just the sheer amount of points again it's more points dropped from leading positions in this game the sheer amount of points they've dropped this season from being ahead it's not all down to Nigel Pearson. And I'm not saying Nigel Pearson is blameless. He seemed resigned to possibly losing his job with his with his post-match press. And again, I think some fans pointed out that Curtis Fleming was barking out orders for the last 20 minutes rather than Pearson. So it might tell you that there might be some uh, apathetic feelings towards the job from Pearson himself. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard one to put your finger on, but it has been a poor finish this season. And again, runner form-wise, it's
0: sackable. Well, they're one of a handful of clubs who are fortunate that there are four teams at the bottom who have either had a points deduction or, or have really poor seasons, aren't they? Because normally they've been involved in a relegation battle. And right now, they're a size I'd earmark as being in danger of going down next season. I've got nothing against Nigel Pearson personally. However, I've never been totally convinced about him as a manager. And the job he's doing at Bristol City is kind of a summary of that. He's been there for mm. 14 months now and won less than a quarter of games.
4: Yeah.
0: And that's not a great ratio, is it? I I don't really see what direction the club's going in. I've said that before, that I think the squad is, as a whole, really poor. Um, And nothing's really changed my mind on that. You've got a handful of talented players, the likes of Scott, Mm -hmm. and Misengo, etc., But then a lot of the squad is made up of players that I struggle to see getting in other championship sides. And I suspect there isn't going to be a huge treasure chest open this summer for new signings either. So for me... Bristol City are in a group of about four or five sides who I think could be in trouble next season. Um, and nothing is showing that that's going to change for me. Uh, West Brom one, Stoke three. Stoke with three wins in four now. Not sure where this form has come from all of a sudden, Justin. Um a funny own goal by Jake Livermore here, very good header by Jake Brown, were amongst some of the goals. As someone who's been leading the calls for Michael O'Neill to be Sack Justin, <laughs> has this recent form changed your mind at all?
4: I, I don't know because this this is literally the inconsistent derby, isn't it? This is West Brom v. Stoke, two of the most inconsistent teams in the division. Um so for, for for Stoke to just win three of the the last four, it's three of the last six. Um, when you put it like that, um, I, I don't think it's great. But this, this was a good win. But I think it was also helped by West Brom being absolutely dreadful. They were they were so so poor. Um, I'm still not convinced by Michael O'Neill. I do think they should change. Um, I, I've said that Neil Critchley would be a good appointment. Um, that's me linking. There's no speculation there as well. I think that would be a really good appointment for for, for a team like Stoke. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm just not convinced by by Michael O'Neill. And as you say, form hasn't necessarily picked up too much. It's just, again, the, the form in the second half of the season, terrible. Mm,
0: interesting. It's the inconsistent derby and also the underwhelming season derby, isn't it? Because both <laughs> yeah, of these exactly. looking good at the start and then it all just went to pot very quickly. Uh, this Sunday afternoon, we've had Fulham v Coventry, which me and Justin have been watching in the background while recording. It's just finished and it's ended up 3-1 to Coventry, which I did not suspect to happen at all, Justin.
4: I, I don't know because... Carpentry seemed to have the measure a of Fulham at the CBS Arena earlier on in the season. They were so, so good. And I sort of had a little bit of feeling before the game um that they might they might resort to the same because again Coventry one of those teams the, the 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 big teams uh will struggle will struggle against Coventry um because of how quick they break how how well they press as well um but it was a they were fully deserving of the win here they were absolutely fantastic I know Fulham still created a lot of chances but Coventry created a lot of chances as well um and that's that's the key uh it, it, Fulham aren't quite at it going forward. so Coventry were that was the difference between the game and obviously Callum O'Hare Gilchores, both brilliant Gus Hamer whew, he gets better every every game as well so yeah this was a really good performance from Coventry and it just makes you wonder just a little bit just a little bit more quality in that squad they can really do something next season
0: Coventry on another side who are quite inconsistent aren't they but for them it's more positive because they've been so good at various different parts of yeah. the season and this is a season of progress for them um, and at the same time uh, with Fulham, it's just a... I'm not sure how much this will actually mean in the grand scheme of things. I was just looking at it then while you were talking, just trying to work it out in my head. I think if Fulham won, then they could have been promoted officially next weekend. But now I do don't think they can I think they've got to wait a bit longer um, Mm. because Forrest are the one who are delaying that at the moment but it seems like (laughs) it's just a matter of time doesn't it so how much this result actually means in the, the grand scheme of the championship season I'm not too sure and then the final game of the weekend is Huddersfield v Luton that's on Monday night we'll give our reaction to that game in Thursday's episode right now it's time for this Yes, it's time for the news, and Neil Warnock has announced his retirement from football. It is worth saying he's done this before and has been back in the dugout, <laughs> but if this is officially it, Justin, what a man! Yeah,
4: I'm. I, I can't help but watch every single video clip that goes out about Neil Warnock, and I don't think there's many, many other managers I would. He's, he's, he's box office. He's a, uh, incredibly talented manager. Um and deserves all the plaudits that he gets, and I think every single listener will know that we absolutely adore him on the show, and he'd be a dream, he'd be a dream to have one. Um, if we if we could ever make that happen, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I love the guy, and I hope that he sticks around in football in
0: some capacity, and he doesn't just go off to to, to Cornwall. Right if we actually had him as a guest on the podcast, Justin, I think I'd just stare in awe at him throughout the whole thing. So I'm not sure how good it's it would be. It of silence. Be. Yeah, pretty much. In terms of longevity and what he's accomplished at this level, he is, without a doubt, the best manager the championship has ever seen, mm-hmm. isn't he? He's the, he's the GOAT as far as I'm concerned. And I was having a look through all the different clubs he's managed in the last 20 years, and he hasn't really done a terrible job at any of them, which is pretty astonishing for anyone to do over such a long period of time. And when you talk about players or managers who you hate at other teams, but you love them when they're at yours, he's the first person who comes to mind for me. Uh, No one can ever question the passion he's had for the game. And he loved the spotlight being on him whenever it came to him when it came to things like shoving his face into a camera lens or standing in front of referees with his hands on his head I, I love the bloke, I'm smiling just talking about him, I'm I'm going to miss him and there'll be plenty of other football supporters who'll miss him too, someone who won't miss him though is every single referee up and down the country, um, they'll be glad he's gone because he's he sure did love having a moan about them, so didn't he so congratulations on an amazing career Mr Warnock, the championship goat, undoubtedly Liverpool are set to sign Fulhams Fabio Carvalho according to Fabrizio Romano he's already had a medical at Anfield and will join in the summer his contract was set to expire but Liverpool will have to pay Fulham a nominal fee which is apparently just five million pounds uh, do you think Liverpool the right move for him as a player Justin
4: yeah I think so I read a um I read an article comparing him to or, or trying to get him that Philip Coutinho mold which excites me I love a lot um seeing how he might develop in that he's such a technical player so intelligent as well and again just just 19-20 years old he could easily thrive in that team for me you look at the uh, the impact Harvey Elliott's had I think Fabio Fabio Carvalho is a much better better player. Really? You go that far? I do honestly I the, the sheer amount of chances he's created and his runs off the ball are just unreal um and the, you're comparing to other experienced players at this level. He's he's head and shoulders above them. Uh, I, I I could quite easily put him in my top three players of the season, to be honest with you.
0: Fair play. I don't think many people would disagree with you. He is older than Harvey Elliott, though, so I suppose he's got you know an extra two or year uh, experience <laughs> on him. Um, I, I think if he had to move to a big club in England, then I'm glad it's Liverpool because at least we know with Jurgen Klopp when he signs these players he actually intends to use them and give them game time unlike other big sides. Um, I think it's a great signing for any club and I'm convinced he'll be a regular starter for a top four Premier League side in the near future so it's good that he's gone to Liverpool because he's just a phenomenal talent and also a potential future Liverpool attack including Fabio Carvalho, Harvey Elliott and Jared Bowen is a bit of a wet dream for a Championship nerd (laughs) like me so I'm looking forward to that potentially happening. The Daily Mail says... Potential new Derby owner Chris Kirchner failed to take over Preston after he failed to prove source of funding and was unable to produce his own business plan. They say he apparently showed a bank statement with a balance of £60 million instead. Kirchner has responded to this by saying Valu- valuations on my company are wrong and most of them is illiquid. The money for the team came from private investments and early investments in crypto I've had to show this to Preston. The administrators and the AFL have seen it when we previously engaged in Derby we were still completing diligence and didn't submit a plan to the league because it would have been premature. It was written and constantly changing as we learned more. Then in another tweet to a fan, also ad- he also admitted, it's not certain that the deal to buy Derby will actually go through. I think just putting the, putting the brakes on people thinking the Derby situation is just over and done with. So mm-hmm. still a lot of uncertainty for Derby fans, Justin.
4: Yeah, we. Well, I say we knew all this. I know a lot of Derby fans got carried away a little bit, but... I think a pragmatic person will, will, will know that there's a lot of a lot of hurdles to cross, and obviously, I think even Eric Alonso pulled up a bank statement and said, "Look, how much money I've got just to get through that first stage to satisfy those that needed to that he needed to." Um, so, a bank statement is not obviously a, a, a solid uh, solid way of proving funds, but yeah, there's a long way to go, and the people that he's got to satisfy are the likes of the yeah Quantum, or the administrators, and and the AFL. So they will do their due diligence and they will make sure that the club is put in the right hands.
0: One would think that the administrators spent so long on <laughs> the process and that's because they were trying to find the person who's right for Derby County. If Chris yeah. Kirchner just ends up not working then what on earth have these administrators been paid for Um, that's another question for another day an mp says evidence given by the efl on gambling sponsorship should be ignored so the efl commissioned research into whether it influences people to bet you know when you see like you know, shirt sponsors with a gambling company on and what have you. Um, And this research found there was no evidence into it. However, a research company called the research flawed and misleading. It is, of course... Um, worth mentioning that the FL is sponsored by Skybet and they get £40 million pounds a year from gambling companies. So we'll leave that one there, Justin. Finally, Hull owner Akon Ilakali is going to take 500 Hull fans on holiday to Turkey this summer. They'll be sent on an all-expenses-paid, all-inclusive trip to a five-star resort in Antalya and Ilakali will be hosting the event. Justin, are you jealous? I am, but is that why you're wearing your Hull shirt? Yes, I, I've, of course, been a Hull fan my whole life. Born and raised as a Tiger. Mr. Ali Ilikali, sign me up. Um, no, I'm not a Hull fan. Um, but that has got nothing to do with me wearing a shirt. I just fancy wearing orange today. Um, Justin, shall we do the polls? This is the part of the show where we give the listener three questions on Twitter because we want to get their thoughts on all things to do with the Championship. So the first question we asked was this. Who will do best in League One next season? Barnsley, Derby or Peterborough? I mean, Barnsley are in a mess, but Derby are in even bigger mess. So I you can't say Peterborough. So Derby got forty-seven percent. Peterborough got twenty-four percent. Barnsley got twenty-nine percent. So people edging with Derby, which I can understand, but when you add in the context that we've mentioned earlier, then whether that's actually true or not, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, who's been the best goalkeeper in the championship this season? Wes Fodringham, Thomas Kaminsky, Lee Nichols, or Mark Travers? Uh, yeah, I'll go straight to Lee Nichols, but I acknowledge Mark Travers has been
4: brilliant. But Wes Folleringham deserves a lot of plaudits because his numbers are incredible since he came into the team. So, yeah, Lee Nichols, but it's a hard one, that is.
0: It's a really difficult question. For me, it's 50-50 between Nichols and Travers. We'll have a definitive answer when we do our team of the season in just a <laughs> month's time, Justin. Um, Lee Nichols got 31%. Travers got 30%. So it's close. Uh, Fodringham got 22%. Kaminsky got 17%. All marvellous goalkeepers in their own right, of course. And finally, is Neil Warnock the best manager in Championship history? Yes, yes, yes or yes? Um,
4: Yeah, yeah I'll go yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes got 55%. Yes got 19%. Yes got 13%. And yes got 13%. So there you go. Definitive proof for you right there. Right now it's time for this. Hi, Simon Grayson Edge. So it's time for Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. Welcome back to the show. John Spark from the Cherries Red Army and Johnny Bullock from the Borough Breakdown podcast. So I'm going to ask the boys here to name eight of a certain subject and all they have got to do is work together to name all eight. So, for example, if I were to say name the last eight clubs that Kevin Phillips played for and John would say Crystal Palace, that's one down, and Johnny would say Birmingham, that's another down. But if Justin would say Weymouth, then he'd be out. So what you need to do, champs, is give me all eight answers without all of you being eliminated. So, Justin... Still isn't here. Of course, you've heard him in the middle bit, but peeking behind the curtain, we record that bit after we record this bit. Um, So instead, boys, since it's only two of you, we're going to give you an extra life. So if one of you gets one wrong, you get to go again. Um, and then we'll just see how you get from there. So the question this week is this. Can you name me the first eight managers who lost their job in the championship this season? They must have lost their job after the season had started. It be very, very handy right now if you had a so-called championship expert by your side, wouldn't it? Um, we'll go to you first, John. Can you name me one of the first eight championship managers who lost their job this season?
1: Um Okay, I was going to go to one and then I'm realising, actually, that was quite recent. So I'm not sure whether he would have been in the first eight. But I'm going to go first with Slovici and Canovic.
0: Absolutely, Ikanovic was the fifth manager sacked when Sheffield United was 16th. If that gives you an indicator of when around that was, um, Johnny, your go. Uh, Chris not uh, Nottingham Forest. Absolutely, the first manager to be sacked. That was when Forest were, they picked up just one point from their first seven games. And now look where they are, John. Your go again. Um...
1: God, I'm so bad with remembering names. It's horrific. But uh, Mick McCarthy was one that
0: has come back to my head. Absolutely. Mick oh, yeah. McCarthy was the second manager to be sacked after Cardiff lost eight games in a row. So you've got three so far. Both of you still in. Both got an extra life as well. Johnny, your go. I
2: want, I want to say Warnock, right? But I don't know if he was like... I don't know. He's, I know he's near the end. I'm just going to say Warnock. Yeah, go Warnock had nothing to worry about. He
0: was the fourth manager oh, to be sacked. That was when Middlesbrough some... was 14th. Um, John, your go. You've got four remaining. Um, Right. Uh,
1: without trying to drag this out, I think, I'm hoping he's within the eight. Grant McCann.
0: He absolutely is. He was the seventh manager sacked after winning two games in a row, which seems harsh. Uh, so you've got three remaining. I'm not surprised you've left these three. Um, Johnny, your go.
2: I'm trying to think of the the Preston manager, and it's it's racking my brain. Mm. It's absolutely racking my brain. Uh, and it was the buddy Barnsley, Gaffer and all. They've yes. sacked the as
0: well. See, so this <sighs> is where Justin would be handy. So if you don't win, you've got him to blame uh, for you win. not actually winning this week. Wait.
2: It's one to the 20' manager as well? Is that the three teams? That's, that's
0: three teams, isn't it? Uh, right? Neither confirm nor deny, Johnny. <sighs> Arsehole. Um...
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna to have to pass. I'm gonna to have to pass. I don't know any any of those three names. It's that means you've I, lost your extra life. I can see him in my brain. Like he, he used to be a postman, didn't he? The Preston Gaffer. It's like
0: I've got his face like mm. in my head. I just can't remember his name. You've got an extra life, so we're gonna come back to you in a sec, anyway, Johnny. Um Whether that's good or bad, I'm not too sure. But John, it's back to you. You've got. Um, well, you haven't got your extra life anymore. You've got three remaining.
1: Right. Um, I, um, I, I'm pretty confident that West Brom manager would have been one of those, which would be Valerian Ishmael.
0: You're absolutely right. He was the eighth manager to go after winning just one in seven Ooh, games. So you've got of six of them. I, I tell you what. You want to know how close it was. The next manager who was sacked after Ishmael was sacked just two weeks afterwards. So it was tight, very tight. You've got two remaining. Johnny has managed to name both the clubs, but can't remember any of their names, which is not ideal. Oh, uh, well, I,
1: I can remember the Preston one. Uh, no, I can't remember him. No, I'm thinking all before him. Damn it. <laughs> mm. Damn
2: it. I, I'll oh, come back in name? with Barnsley, though. I've got a Barnsley once came me. It's like, is it? Shop or Schlopp or something like that. He, he, he was definitely
0: the manager before the guy who got. No, it's shop, is you know it shop. Yeah, I'll give it. Yeah, yeah. It's Marcus Shop. He was the third manager to lose his job after they won one in fifteen games. That means you've got one remaining. Oh, Can man. anyone remember his bloody name, John? Oh man, <sighs> um,
1: because because I was thinking about of, of McNeil, but that was um, that was on before. Um, uh, the caretaker manager that took charge,
2: yeah, because he took because wasn't he like Alex Neil's assistant or something? Is that right? He was, it was on it. it.
0: Oh Um, man, are we giving up chaps?
1: It was, was it McCall? No, it wasn't McAllister,
0: Frankie Um, McAvoy. ah. Johnny's got it, he's got it, he's pulled it out of nowhere. Look at that. Unbelievable scenes. Get well done, boys. you got there in the end. Yeah, fireworks <laughs> out and everything. Uh, other managers who were sacked oh. recently, Velko Panovic was sacked two weeks after Valor and Ishmael. Darren Ferguson had resigned a day after Panovic. So it was all very close, but well done, boys. You got there in the end. It may have been a bit easier if Justin decided to actually show up <laughs> to the podcast today. Uh, but congratulations. And that's the second tier podcast wrapped up for the weekend. We'll be back again on thursday for the good friday games which we'll preview right, right. this part of the year always confuses me because it's really confusing having two games right next to each other but that's where we'll next be back on the second tier but well, thank you to our guests on the show this week john spark from the bournemouth youtube channel, cherry's red army thank you for your time today
1: no problem thanks for having me
0: johnny burrick from the Borough breakdown podcast thank you for your time today thank you very much ryan thanks for having us on mate. No problem, my man. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on a Thursday. I'm Ryan Tilkes. Thank you for listening.